0: If you're going to get into this game and want to do this more of a networking type of marketing that, that we do, I, I guess I'm, I mean, I feel like I, I can talk to people very easily, but if that's not you on your team, find someone on your team that, that can be like this.
1: Welcome to the 7-Figure Flipping Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of thousands a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now
0: your host, Bill Allen. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome to the 7-Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. And we're in this marketing series right now. So, we talked about probates, we've talked about direct mail, we've talked about Facebook marketing, and we've brought a lot of our members on to talk about their 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 niches, what they are the experts at inside of our seven-figure altitude group. And today, I've got somebody on the podcast who it hands down is the expert on just networking. And I don't want to say network marketing because a lot of that usually gets a bad connotation, but just networking with people and, and using all the free channels to drive traffic and leads to his business. And he's built an insane business off of primarily networking and referrals, which is amazing. I remember when he came into the group in San Diego last October, he didn't really know what he had. I know Mike Simmons kind of helped him realize the kind of business model that he had and what was so great about it. All of us paying for marketing, we just pay so much money and the prices are going up and up and up. And I know this series that we're doing on marketing right now is all about. What's going on in your business right now? Where you're struggling, and a lot of people are struggling finding leads, and that's why we put this together. So, I wanted to bring him on the podcast to talk about how he's getting deals in probably arguably the most competitive market in the United States right now without spending a lot of money on marketing like everybody else. So, um, I, we were on a crew on the cruise together, the seven figure flipping cruise that we did, and we did this pop up session with him late at night, and it, it I got all the feedback forms after the cruise, and it was hands down the most popular session that we did, period. About half of them said that was the session that they got the most out of. And I think only half of them were there. So pretty much 100% of the people that were at that session said that Jesse's presentation was the one that, that... was most valuable to them on the cruise, which is just amazing to hear. So, what better to do than reach out to them right after the cruise and say, you've got to come on the podcast. So, Jesse, uh, without further ado, I want to just introduce you and give you a chance to tell your story a little bit. So, this is Jesse Trujillo. Hey, Jesse, how are you doing?
0: Hey, Bill. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm thankful that uh, as busy as we both are, I can't believe that we were able to hop on a podcast in like a day or two. So, this is really amazing.
0: Uh, my my luckily I have an assistant now, and she made it happen. Because if you would have asked me by myself, I probably wouldn't even know what date to give
1: you. Yep, and that's, that's the same way for me. So it's good because we're outsourcing some of this stuff and those right. those those smaller tasks, those detailed things that we hate as entrepreneurs and visionaries, right? That's
0: true.
1: So wh- why don't you tell everybody that's listening a little bit about yourself? I know you have a pretty interesting story going through the last real estate crash and everything. So uh, I think that's really valuable for them to hear.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll just start off. I mean, um, I really started um, flipping by accident, um, which which kind of started with my sister. I was going to UCSD, studying to be a doctor, um, going pre med, and my sister was at San Diego State to be a teacher. She graduated, um, you know, while I was in college, and you know, she was we were living at our parents' house, and she was about to move out, and she said, "Oh, I'm mean, you know, I'm graduating now. I'm going to go get an apartment." And I threw out the whole the old saying of, "Hey, you should buy, don't rent." without really even knowing what that really meant. To be honest, I just kind of, everyone says it. So I just said it. And she said, well, I racked up my, racked up my uh, credit card at San Diego state. And, you know, I'm pretty sure my credit's not the best. So, you know, I'm pretty sure I can't do it. So I just said, Hey, if I figure it out, and if I, you know, kind of find a way, would you be willing to to do it? She said, sure. So kind of just on my off time as a hobby, I kind of learned how to fix credit. Kind of, um, we kind of, you know, repaired her credit with little things that were off and, and paid stuff off. And, uh, and by the time I knew it, we got her, you know, her, her score up, gets connected with the lender, you know, they kind of kind of showed me what, what loans were. I didn't even know. You know, I had no clue what a mortgage was. And just uh, we got her approved. Um, then we, we found there was an open house and there was a, a, a condo by, a three-bedroom condo by my parents' house. And we went, we made the offer, and we got it accepted, um, got it closed. And I just know when we closed, I think I was more excited than she was. I was just, it was like a rush for me that, you know, it was just awesome to, to know and that she got into it and actually she rented out two of the rooms and she was paying like three, four hundred bucks per month, you know, for a, for a condo that she owned, you know, so it was just a rush for me to get that done. And then by the time I knew it, I just said, hey, if we could figure it out, how do we, uh, you know, if I can get you more more rentals, would you be willing to do it? And she said, "Yeah, if you could figure it out, go ahead. I'm busy with my, with my teacher you know being a teacher and stuff so um, sure enough back in the day uh, it was 90 it was like 90 99 when um, the last couple of FHA foreclosures back in the day um, were around and we got our little studio here in San Diego and by the time I knew it I started buying started of buying one of her every couple months I think we got up to like 10 10 or 12 rentals and I was me being the, the brother I got her into it I kind of got became property manager whether I liked it or not and just with schooling and everything it just got really busy. So I remember one point I just told her, hey, I can't do it anymore. You know, we need to either go get a rental, you know, a property management or you got to sell them. And she just kind of looked at me and said, ah, just go ahead and sell them. Well, what we didn't know, right, is that the market went up. So when the market went up, you know, we started selling these things and I started seeing the money that she was making. I was like, whoa, that's that's something there. That's a business right there. That's some, that's some good money she was making. So that kind of what turned me into, flipping at that point, you know, I really saw what it was. And so sure enough, it got me excited, got my first, uh, I bought a little studio down in San Isidro right by the border. I was literally, um, you know, I was able to close on it and I was literally painting at night with the light, you know, just painting, just uh, reading a book in one hand, my biology book in one hand and painting with the other, you know, getting electrocuted, changing changing sockets, trying to figure things out, Um, you know, then by the time I knew it, I flipped it And I literally made five grand, you know, I think it was like, it was like five grand. And for me, a starving student, that was like the best thing ever, you know, for me, it was like a hobby. So after that, I just kind of opened my eyes to it, started buying wherever I could just here and there, uh, partnering up with family and friends and, and just started doing it little by little. And then, hey, isn't, uh,
1: it, isn't it interesting? I, I Just to take, go back a little bit. It's, it's so funny to hear your story because I remember being, but my first kind of rental slash flip was my wife was uh, like six months pregnant. I gave, got her a nice respirator and we were down in the basement, finishing a basement, a thousand square foot basement by ourselves. And we did it in six weeks. And I just was like, th- just focused on getting this thing done while I was a test pilot in in the Navy in Maryland. Uh-huh and working, you know, we were working probably 60, 70 hours a week, but just putting in the work and getting it done. And it's just that, like that hustle that you had in the beginning, a lot of times is what spawns this. So it's funny that you, you probably made your sister a ton of money and you were doing, uh, it sounds like you're doing a lot of the work. She's just saying yes to it all. You're almost like stealing her credit and and going to buy houses. So yeah, uh, Yeah. pretty, pretty wild to see a start like that. And obviously knowing where you are now. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So then just, you know, after, after that, just kind of, um, I, I kind of worked my way up. I was still at UCSD, and I worked my way up to a, a, a laboratory manager for uh, prairie natal research here in UCSD Medical Center, and um, kind of worked my way up in that laboratory, and I ended up becoming a head surgeon for that laboratory. So I was actually starting to teach doctors on how to do certain procedures, and as I met, you know, met these doctors, I was kind of flipping on the side here and there, and um, three doctors came to me on different, different times as we became friends, and they really said... Darn Jesse, man, if I could do what you're doing right now with these houses, I would, I would not have been, I, I would get out of being a doctor. Like I, I wish I would have been doing real estate instead of being a doctor. And it really resonated with me because obviously, don't get me wrong, they said we love doing what we do, you know, it's helping people, but it said it's not what it is anymore. The insurance is the bureaucracy, this the red tape, you know, you want to help people, but sometimes you can't. So it's it's not what it is anymore. And it's funny how three three different doctors that I worked with. Kind of told me that on in different ways, but at around the around the same time, and it really stuck with me. And I just I just remember looking like, "Darn, do I want to keep going with this, or do I want to do something that I'm passionate about?" And um, and sure enough, I just kind of, you know, I stayed out, I stayed I stayed there, started doing some more flips. But then I made a decision, and I think I left it in. I think it was 2006 ish around there that I five or six that I decided to leave the university, the laboratory, and I just went ahead and, and, and went all out, you know, went all out and jumped into the, the game. I said, I'm leaving this and I'm just going with straight flips. And um, then, of course, 2008 came aboard and and uh, wiped me out. I was doing uh, what I consider back in those days here in San Diego high-end homes, which for me was in the 600s, six to $800,000 homes. And those are the first to go. Those are the first to go when the market crashed. So it literally left me with zero <laughs> negative negative money in the bank. And it was just like, it was it was crazy. Like literally, I uh, I, la- I look back and I remember escrow calling me one day and she said, uh, I think it was Countrywide or one of the big banks that, that went under that, wet, that that exact day. They called me and they said, hey, we're not closing day on, on on the certain deal. And I said, oh, okay, we're we closing tomorrow. And She said, no, we're not closing ever. The bank's gone. And I was like, what do you mean? Like the bank is gone. And I was like, oh, shoot. And it was a re a reality check of, of where we're at, you know, back in those days, you know, I have I had investors, I had people, I didn't want to mess up credit. I know how much important credit it was. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people that have been, that went through it understand that we didn't even know what a short sale was. I had never even heard of a short sale. You know, so looking back now, if we knew what we know now, I probably would have short sold everything, got rid of everything, gave Dean and Lou, you know, just 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 got rid of it. Because what I did, I did I did and I can look back and be um, be honest with myself and know that I, I probably did the wrong thing, but I was trying to do the right thing in the aspect of I was paying the mortgages. So I was paying like 50 grand in mortgages per month, still trying to figure out what to do with these properties that were, at the end of the day, that weren't worth anything because the market had dropped so much. So I kind of was using all my profits, everything i had saved, everything I'd done to keep these properties. And at the end of the day, I ended up short selling and foreclosing, foreclosing on a couple of them. So Ended up being one of those learning lessons in life that you know I left myself with zero money in the bank, you know, left my left nothing really to to our family, and um, you know, you met my wife, and and uh, we we had just we we had just had a baby, you know, we just had a baby. We literally went to go live in her parents' garage, a converted garage, and uh, we we literally sat down, looked at each other, and I just told her I can go back, study, be a doctor, or I can go for real estate again, figure it out. And she just kind of looked at me and she says, whatever you want to do. And I said, all right, I'm going to go for real estate. So it took me, you know, like it was 2008, between the two years, 2008, 2009, I was trying to figure things out, you know, as most of us were. And um, I found a deal. I found a deal in 2009. I flipped it and made a 60 grand. I made 60 grand profit. With that 60 grand in 2010, I was just, I said, I'm never going to go back to these high-end properties. I'm going to do with entry-level homes because that's where I feel, obviously, that's where we have more buyers at, and, and especially here in San Diego that we've got a huge military presence that we have VA buyers, um, you know, just focusing on on knowing who your target audience is and really focusing on that, and so in 2010, I did 20 flips on my own, like literally by myself, uh, maybe a little bit of help with my dad that, you know, I was pulling my hair out, just help, you know, asking anyone who can help me out, and and just started going with it, little by little. And and what started happening was I would go to these properties, call these agents, and uh, I had no money. I mean, I, I had some money, but to do all these flips, I really had no money left in the bank. Like I was I was I, I had to be really penny pinching everything I did to be able to do as much volume that I was doing. And and what I did, I just started talking to all these agents, and I'd go meet with them, and I, and I'd win them over, you know, win them over, not in a not in a way of of taking advantage of them, just win them over. That I'd just be upfront with them. Hey. I'm going for this. I'm not going to back out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to stick to my number. You know, I got, I got funding and, you know, ready to go. And, uh, they gave me the shot. They gave me a shot. And that's how I did 20 flips that first year, you know, back in 2010, you know, and then after that, 2011, I I saw I was pulling, you know, getting too many gray hairs. So I told my cousin, Hey, come aboard. And, um, he kind of became my right hand man. And we did another like 25, 30, I think in 2011. And, little by little, we were growing the numbers, you know, just me and him. And then just kind of kind of sharing the, sharing the responsibilities and, and um, little by little, just going up and up, um, slow down a little bit in 2014, kind of 14, a little bit for some personal reasons. But 2016, I, I really came back and, and I was um, really looking at, like, just how much work we were, we were working, we were working a lot of hours and just so much that, and, and the, the thought of, you know, how do we, I want to do more properties. And we had, we had good crews. We had built over, you know, some timeframes and that we didn't have enough properties for them. And, you, and you know, the importance, especially if you're flipping, like to find a good crew and keep them is very important. That's, that's you don't want them going. If you have no work from, they're going to go to your competition. You know, it's just going to happen. You know, whoever has more work from them, that's where they're going to go. They got to feed their families. So it really, it, it, it really had me take a step back and, and really think of, which i had never done for the first maybe 6 years of our business is the way we said talked about earlier is really delegating delegating things that are, are time consuming and what i did one of the first persons we brought in was actually my uh, project manager you know I, it was she was, she's was my stager she was a friend of mine and i saw her yelling at the contractors so i thought perfect she's she's the one and i asked her hey instead of staging you want to be a project manager she goes sure and so she took that role on which opened my eyes to how much time that Opened up for me to really focus on. You got to put your put your time as where it's going to make the most money, and then where it's going to make the most money is getting deals, not really managing them. You know, not not dealing with the contractors, not dealing with all the little things. And so what we ended up happening is, uh, you know, brought her aboard that opened up Miguel's and my time, and then we brought in a an another assistant, which we trained her how to look for deals on the MLS and running numbers, and that took so much more time off of us as well so by the time we knew it now we went from in 2000 2016 17 we were we were doing in 30 30 to 40 properties and then we jumped up to 40 we jumped up to to 50 in 2007 2017 i think we were at um like in the in the high in the high 40s maybe 50s properties and 2018 we went to 73 and this last year 2019 we just went to 80 properties and the way the way the way we did that is building a team building a team is what really got us to that next level. And it's, it's a scary thing to do, right? Because you have to hire people and pay their, pay, you know, pay salaries and, and pay, you know, now you got people that you're responsible for and their families. And it's but it's if you can look at the bigger picture, I, I just I wish I would have hired people from the get go, that probably would have jumped started me to the next level. And again, not you have to be at that level of, of properties that you need the people, not just obviously bring them in if you're just doing one or two flips a year. That's not that's not the case. But when it gets to the point where there's just no more time on your, you know, no more, no more time for yourself where you just you need that extra help. You really gotta sit down and look at what are things that you can delegate over to people on, on your team that that at the end of the day where you're gonna do being making the most money. You know, and to do all these 80 properties. We, we built it over like how, how you said, Bill, like really no marketing costs. I mean, when I say no marketing costs, it's really just, we just have operation costs of our office and our, you know, our employees, but marketing costs, it's, everything is calling agents, calling wholesalers, talking to them, really spending, you know, really, really, really building a relationship with them. You know, that's, that's where our time and, and is, is best spent. You know, you're really just being upfront with them and being genuine with them and, and showing them you can close and, sticking to your word. I mean, that's what's built our name here in San Diego and that's what's built our relationships with people. You know, we don't, we, we do our best not to renegotiate if we don't have to. We, we just stick to our word and and over the years, that's what's that's what really built us up, you know, to get where we're at.
1: Okay, awesome. So, before we dive into that, that marketing, like networking with people and things like that with no marketing costs, I just, I want to go back a little bit. So, I Every time I hear somebody who's gone through the last real estate crash, because that was kind of I, I owned a property. I had to I used a housing assistance program with the government to sell that. It was actually in San Diego. It's a little seven hundred square foot condo in Pacific Beach, and I ended up breaking even. But I would have lost about two hundred thousand dollars had they not have that government assistance program. And so then I had some rental property that I bought after that. So I wasn't necessarily doing what I'm doing now, like you were. So you know, I've heard your story and you've told me the story. And then when I was on the cruise, I had a chance to talk to your wife while you, I, I think you, you ran out, you're with the kids. And I asked her, I said, I said, what was it like at that time? You were living in the garage. You were just had, just had a baby. Right. Uh, and she said, I said, I remember it like it was yesterday and it was, it was really difficult. It was challenging for us. And I said, well, how did you stay in real estate like how did how did you say that let's stay here she said you know what I just remember looking at Jesse looking at my husband and saying and, and believing in him like it was really she was I could just see it in her face she said I, I would just follow him anywhere and I had a total faith and belief in him and his decisions and that was incredible to hear from a spouse like having a support uh, network like that, having support like that, where she just she knew that she had all the confidence in the world in you. It was just amazing to see that from the cruise and the relationship that you guys had together and your kids uh, on the cruise was just amazing so I wanted to just share that conversation with you because I think I would want to know that right. I had that and i 'm sure you know you know who you have in your corner, but it 's really cool to see that and see that support that we need as entrepreneurs when we 're going through those really tough times because. Our job right now as business owners and entrepreneurs can be challenging all the time. It's high stress. We get paid pr- really well. We have the opportunity to build a business and make money, but it's, you know, on the back of some of the stress that we go through and some of the things that we do. And we're the one, you know, uh, heavy as the head that wears the crown, a lot of people say. And uh, I think it was really cool to see that in person from, from your wife and your kids, frankly, your kids just being proud of you and, and all the things that happened on that cruise. But I want to ask you a question before we move on, what advice would you give to somebody who's going through hard times like that? Because not just necessarily the real estate crash, but right now, it, it, even if we're in a good market like we are right now, people are going through something, a challenge, difficult times, things that's really testing them as individuals. So, at that time, what do you think it was that helped you and what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's going through something like that?
0: It's, it's, it's again, like you said, it's definitely... One of those life changing moments because I mean it's the hardest point hardest point in your life you know we we had we had nowhere else to go except for up you know and and knowing that but really like it's I knew I had an uphill battle so it's really just sticking to it and for me you know obviously I did twenty for me to buy that first one in two thousand nine remember I had just had all these foreclosures on my credit I just had I have just lost everything I mean I had to go to hard money lenders. say hey i just lost everything but can you lend me money like you know you got to remember i mean you you just have to make an effort to find a good deal because right in our business the good thing is doesn't matter where your credit is in as a flipper you know i mean a lot of the times it doesn't really matter it's all based on the deal so if you find a good deal you will find a lender that's going to lend to you and knowing that i think that was in my head I had to get the whole like you know feeling uh, feeling sorry for myself, but just knowing that my credit was ruined, that I really had a bad track record at that point because I thought I lost you know because I foreclosed. So I I kind of felt to myself like man I I did I I didn't do it correctly you know I failed you know and getting over that and really thinking and really looking at the bigger picture that maybe maybe you want to consider yourself you failed and you foreclosed, but then I really took a step back and be like man maybe a a fourth of the country had same thing happened to everybody, you know? So it wasn't just me and really getting over that mentally is what really helped me get to that, to that really breaking point of knowing you can do this. Find a good deal. If you find a good deal with that alone, you'll find just, and maybe two or three lenders will look at your past and let's say no, but you keep looking. And I remember I kept looking, I kept looking and I found this one lender and, and they lent to me and they just, after that, they just saw what I did with it really quick. And I, and I built my reputation just really quick with them with that. Right after that, I did twenty deals almost with that whole that lender that whole next year. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they just trusted. Me. They saw my drive. They saw I was upfront with them. I I didn't hide anything from them. I was being very upfront. I mean, but everything I buy, I was buying at a good price. So just know that doesn't. If times are tough right now, you just gotta really focus on finding a good deal. If you find that good deal with enough equity, you will make money. I mean, we all know like the saying is right where you're, you're, you make money on the purchase because when you buy it, right, you're going to, you're nine times out of 10, you're probably going to sell it and make money because you already know your numbers. So just be smart about your numbers, buy, buy a good deal. And with that, you little by little, use that money, use that profit, keep some, you know, keep your, even after like we made all that money, I still stayed in the garage for, I think, I think we stayed in there for like a year, you know, a year or two. And we did that on purpose because, right? I mean, I learned from my, uh, what happened in the past. You know, you gotta gotta build up your reserves. You can't you can't just all of a sudden make this money and go spend it all, and then you end up with nothing again. So, it's it's really being money management. I believe is, is a very important um, when it gets to the, to the point where you know you're you're down and out, and maybe you know and, and, and really working hard, and and there's not a, a lot of money coming in. So it's money management, but really spending that time and learning how to find good deals. I think that's really my my biggest, my biggest point that I can point out.
1: Cool. So it sounds like, you know, even though in the midst of failure, having confidence in yourself. So I wrote down two words for you, confidence and determination. Like right. you didn't lose confidence. It sounded like it didn't shake you. And then I think we go back to that. You know, you, you sp- surround yourself with people that are supportive. The, you know, the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you had, from what I saw, you had a rock solid support network that would go to battle with you regardless of you know what you where you wanted to go they were going they were going to go with you so it was really cool to see that so confidence and determination and so before we move on to the networking i want to um, just kind of recap some of the things that i pulled out some takeaways from your your story one was if you're a flipper entry level homes are what Jesse has recommended you're doing first and second time home buyers probably in that in that early stage uh, entry level homes you can get bit on those high end uh, properties. Number two, knowing your target audience goes right into that. Like who are who is your product for? It's a supply and demand business, right? So where's the demand coming from in your world? And me as a wholesaler, same thing. I got to know who my target audience is. Am I selling to developers? Am I selling to uh, Airbnb buyers? Am I selling to flippers, landlords? What does it look like? And all the different neighborhoods and different leads that we get changes. So if I know my target audience, then I know where I should go out and look and market and what doors to knock on to get those deals. Number three is Delegating, so very, very important. I harp on this all the time. He said, Jesse said, "Where will your time make you the most money like that, I think about that all the time. I'll hire somebody to come in, and I expect them I expect to make about four or five times their salary back by getting my time back. I'm basically buying my time back with their salary, and then building a team you talked about and, which i which I absolutely love obviously this is that's really big for us, and you were building a team even before you kind of came in and found us uh, which is you know, it sounded like you had an awesome. You you saw it. You knew exactly where you needed to go. You were able to go from twenty to thirty to fifty to seventy three to eighty. And then, um, I mean, that's kind of where we bumped into each other was right around twenty nineteen, where you kind of came in and you were already doing a lot of volume, which is uh, which is amazing to see. And the team that you had, you were definitely one of the the top dogs just coming into the group, which is you know doesn't usually happen. It's usually somebody who's moving up inside the community. So. Let's talk a little bit about that uh, about networking for deals. You, I think we've left people in suspense long enough. You said I don't have a marketing budget. I actually don't spend any money on marketing, and everybody probably like crash their car or uh, just drop like a forty-five pound weight in the gym on their foot. So, yes. what does that look like? Like, what? Let's just give them the goods. Like, how can they? How can they do that? Because I mean, marketing costs for us are just going through the roof. They've doubled right. for us year over year.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's and it's. Um you know, right. I mean, it's, it's almost like a simple, simple process, but a lot of us just don't do it, you know, and it's really about um, getting yourself to a point where just knowing how important it is and just seeing um, the power of really just being a genuine person and just really just going out there and talking to people. And I kind of mentioned on the cruise, like one of the things I told everyone is, if you're going to get into this game and want to do this like a more of a networking type of marketing that, that we do. Um, it's very important. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm, I mean, I feel like I, I can talk to people very easily a lot of the times, but if that's not you on your team, find someone on your team that, that can be like this. Someone that, that likes to talk to people that, that, that they start talking about real estate and they can't, they can't even close their mouth because they're just, they're just so excited about it. You know, have them on your team or yourself and just, Talk to these agents. You know, meet as many agents as you can. Um, that's, I mean, what's the cost in that? There's, it's just time. I mean, that's that's your really, that's your true cost is time because you're calling these agents, you're going to meet with them, um, you're going to the REIs and, and just talking to people, talking to wholesalers. Um, you, you're you're putting the time and effort, and that's not really taking money out of your pocket. You know, physical money, right? It's 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 really knowing that uh, instead of you you paying for marketing you're spending time, you know, and as long as, and as long as you can, uh, have that time, you know, set aside to do that. It's, it's really just, that's what we did little by little. I had my team members, Miguel on my team. Um, he's, he's actually great. I mean, I just, I didn't hire him because of, he's a nice guy or just cause you know, really people like talking to him. It just kind of worked out, you know, little by little, I'd see him like we'd go to properties and we start talking to agents and he would start talking to an agent and They'd they'd be looking at him more than they were looking at me, you know, and and they just hit it off. And and just by the time we knew, we just, hey, we just like each other and we're just up front. Hey, we're here to buy this. We're not going to, you know, kind of, you got to reiterate what you're about, who you are, you know, what's your track history? If you don't have any track history, it's okay. Just be up front with them. Hey, but like, but let them know that you're there to work with them as a team to get the deal closed. Because for us, it's agents and wholesalers, right? They're the ones who we are networking with they're the ones who bring us the deals. So put yourself in their place. You know, really ask, really ask yourself when you're when you're talking to them. Think about if you were in their place, what what are the what are the type of people that you would want to work with if you were them? You know, you want to work with someone. You know, they're 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 working off commissions a lot of this time. You know, especially agents. So they are are commissions, and their other biggest thing is they live off of referrals. So if these sellers that they're working with, if they do a bad job. If they, if they go into escrow and now they have all these fallouts or people ask for price reductions, they're not looking good to their clients, you know? So, and that's in the back of their head. And it's, it's very important to realize that and keep that in mind because what can you do to help them keep their relationship, look good to their clients, because that's going to make them more money in the future. So really keeping that in mind and going to them and helping them understand that you're there to help them look better. You're there to help them to close on time To keep their promises to their seller uh, that's huge we've seen it we've seen it time and time again where agents really will come back to us and really say you know what jesse thank you like you really we look good to you made it so easy you made it something like just an easy flow your team and everyone you have just is is great to work with and 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 you made it so seamless and i can tell you we get we get these agents coming back to us with deals without us even having to reach out to them like now they're coming just to us because why because they know if they come to us, their client they're they're going to look good to their client because they know we're going to close it. So it's little by little building those relationships, you know, here and there, here and there. I mean, we're doing 80 flips now, and it's it's taken us, you know, almost 10 years, you know, 10 years to get where we're at. So it's it's definitely something you're going to grow little by little. You're not going to grow it overnight. You have to build your relationships like it's like leads on the other side where you're nurturing leads, right? But you're, these when you're nurturing your relationships with agents and wholesalers, like. Show them what you're about. Stick to your word, and little by little, you're building your 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 reputation with all these agents. And guess what? Now they're gonna start referring you to other agents, you know, in their office. You know, they're they're little by little, word gets out that you're the one to go to, and you're not gonna go in there and ask for a price reduction. You're not the one that's gonna go in there and play games and not close on time. Like, you have to have everything set and ready to go. That that I do feel is very important. to, to one of the biggest things that I made sure is knowing that I had financing ready to go. That where I put my money where my mouth is, because that is huge. Because if you say I'm gonna close in seven days, close in ten days, close in two, whenever, whenever you're saying you're gonna close, know that your lender is gonna close on that time. Because I can tell you, the moment you start closing after the date you promise, your word goes out the door. Like your your reputation's out the door. They don't believe you anymore. Like oh, he just said that just to lock it up. Like so, it's really making sure that you have that that lending side set up before you're you're going you're going and opening your mouth to these agents and promising something. Whatever you promise, you just gotta stick to your word. We bought properties, like there was actually a property this year that, you know, it was an agent we know, he does a lot of deals and we know he's he's we want to stay on his good side. We literally went to the property, we we valued it wrong, you know, and and me and Miguel looked at each other and we just said, we're still gonna buy Because for us, that rip I mean we're probably going to break even, so we're, we're kind of okay with it, but I, my point is that's how important these relationships are. Like sometimes, I mean with the volume we're doing, we could do that, right? But it's it was it's a decision that we had to make. We could have canceled on him. We could have said, hey, you know what, sorry. I could tell you if I would have canceled on on that deal, he would never send us another deal. Again. He would never, I mean, by nine times out of 10, he would probably would not trust us anymore.
1: So, and even if he did, you would have lost a couple on the way for sure. Like he would always question uh, that, that relationship in the
0: future. Right, right. So it's it's little things like that that you really have to. You're putting them you're putting them a little bit in front of you. You know, a lot of the times you're you're really looking out for their best interest. Sometimes before yourself. And 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 it, but again, do things the smart way. You know, do your numbers up front. Have your lending ready. As long as you do that and you stick to your word, little by little, you're going to be able to get this massive amount of properties coming your way. And and you're not even to have to do any type of, you know, financial marketing to them because all you got to do is just call them up. Hey, how are you doing? Got any properties for me? You know, I'm here. I'm ready when you are. You know, whenever you get something, and you just have a big list and you're going through it and you're letting them know that that um that you're ready whenever you, they need you. You know, and that might, you know, for an agent that we know today, he might not have anything for for another year from us. But but in that year, as long as he knows we're there, he's going to give it to us. You know, that's 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 what I think the most important thing. Um, on this mark on the non, you know, our, our type of marketing side of, of, is just really staying in touch with these agents and sticking to your word and really just, uh, going, going the extra mile to make sure that they're, they're happy with your, you know, the whole process that you just did with them.
1: When you, when you got going in the beginning, was, it, was this the method they were using, buying things off the MLS, relationship type buying and, and marketing? Or have it, has it always been this way? And then, because I, I know we talked to, you talked a lot about it taking time and it does, it takes time to get going and get the ball rolling. But right. in the beginning, what was it like? Because we probably have some people listening who are going, well, I don't really want to wait 10 years to, <laughs> get you to get to that kind of volume. Um, can they do this right now? Just start reaching out to, uh, to agents and build relationships and work on that?
0: Well, remember, I mean, maybe I guess back in the day, if you would ask Miguel, Miguel and I, like back in 2011 when he joined, you know, he had that first year with me, and I think we did like 25, 30. To ask to to say, man, we're gonna be doing 80, that was that was like unheard of to us. We were like, no way, there's no way we can do that. Didn't even think that was even possible. But I, but maybe and maybe 80 is a big, big number now. But think about it, we did 20 in two I did 20 in 2010 by myself. So to answer your question, I feel can you do it right away? I, I did 20 the first year without knowing anybody, without really having relationships. So it's going out there. You can you can up the you can up your numbers really fast if you have the manpower, the lending, everything behind you. But I did 20 deals just by meeting people right from the gut. Those are new agents. I didn't those weren't connections that I had. i literally started from scratch. So I, I do feel if you go out there and you meet enough agents, if you spend that time to meet enough agents, going to these open houses, going to, you know, really, really, really taking the time and meet back. And actually back in the day, I actually didn't, I didn't really deal with wholesalers when I first started. I didn't even know wholesalers weren't. Mm-hmm. So it, it's crazy to think back. I, I don't think I got introduced to wholesaling of, you know, get buying deals from wholesalers till like 2011, 12, you know? So 2010 was just all off the MLS, just meeting these agents. And just being up front with them and just so what, letting them know.
1: So, so what kind of agents, there's thousands of agents in every city. So there's right. probably like, what do you recommend? Like what kind of agents? Who's the best person to reach out to if you are making a list? Like what kind of agent? Is there a certain office? Or is there a certain type of agent? Is it uh, ones that just have uh, distress listings? Uh,
0: I, I, It's a little bit. I do think it's a little bit of everything. You know, I don't have one in particular that I could say is better than the other. Um, in the aspect of reaching out to I it's really if if you have access to the MLS you're looking whoever has that distressed listing for whatever reason you reach out to them. they might that might be the only one they have all year or ever you know but you just have to reach it you have to go to that one and then if you if you kind of want to I mean you can work with your title reps and find out who your big agents are you know who's who's a bigger listing agents in your market you know and reach out to them you know have have a phone call with them you know, just talk to them, go to their office, you know, maybe meet with them, just say, hey, I'm, I'm flipping houses, I know you got a lot of listings, when you get that fixer, can you give me a shot? You know, and just, and and hopefully, you know, you reaching out to them is is kind of planting that seed for them, at least give you a shot, at least they'll tell you what the number is, maybe your number won't make sense for what, what they're looking for, but you, now you have a shot compared to you had nothing. So it's, it's, it's really reaching out to the big listing agents Probate listing agents, I think is huge. I mean, that's a, you know, probates are usually 99% of the times are in distress where they just want to get rid of them. So uh, foreclosure agents, of course, but really looking at those three, I and mean, that's going to give you a list enough that to, to know of who to go after, but don't, don't leave out the ones that might have that just one or two a year, because that, I think that's very important. And I think a lot of people kind of don't go out, don't really reach out to them. And that's one or two deals that can come to you a year. I mean, if you have 10 of those agents that have one or two a year, I mean, that could be 10 to 20 deals that you have a year. Just, just with them alone, if you have enough of them, you know? So, yeah. but don't, count those, don't count the little agents out.
1: Yeah, and one thing that I see with these agents is, a lot of times, we're going there to try to get something for us, to get something, right? And what I'm hearing Jesse say is, if you go in to add value to them, to show them how you can help them, and this goes for any business, frankly, and relationships, is if you go in with a servant mindset of how can I help you, then a lot of times when I think back to this, I remember these bigger listing agents that have a bunch of foreclosures and stuff. They're just super busy and they don't want to talk to you. They know they got hundreds of investors knocking on their door, right? And they, can't, they don't know you as an investor from anybody else. They don't when you, they get an email, they've probably been screwed over by so many before who haven't done what they said and it's given them a sour taste. When you start performing, like Jesse's talking about, this is where you build your momentum. This is where you start, they say, wow, this guy can really perform. The next time they might not even list it, they might just call you, you know? And that that's where the relationship really starts, you know, you add fuel to that fire. Because as I'm listening to you, I'm going, I, you know, I don't really do this very well, but I, just Tuesday, I got a message from an agent who I've never heard of, didn't know, who got my information from someone else who does know me and said, hey, I, you know, this is a veteran who owns this house the you know i was talking to this other guy that you know from the military and said you're a stand up investor and you would you would give a fair offer on the house are you, would you be willing to come out and make an offer he's he's in distress he's lives far away and i i looked at the numbers and i said hey he bought it in 2006 when we had the hurricane which was in pensacola after hurricane ivan it we're not even back to those numbers yet mm-hmm. even in today's market so i said I, i'm not really going to be that competitive i don't want to offend you guys she goes you need to just come and make an offer. And I said, okay, I'm sending my team. Right. Right. So, but this is just looking back on that going, wow, I, it took me probably two years to build a relationship for him to refer that to me and hurt him to, I just can only imagine what was said at that lunch or that breakfast or that email about who I was to have somebody who has no idea who I was, send me a message the way, like the one that I got. And we're planting those seeds and you just got to kind of water those relationships and keep building off of them. And your reputation will precede you. And right. what your reputation is, is exactly what Jesse's talking about. Sometimes it's buying a house where you ran the numbers wrong, and but you're going to perform and do what you say you were going to do, even in the face of potentially losing some money. I, I'll go back to the time where working with my my lenders, I had a house that we lost we lost a lot of money on this house. I ended up as a company losing $70,000 on this deal, but my lenders made about somewhere between forty dollars and $50,000. So we really only lost 20 if you took that money out, right? But I was never going to pay them less than what I owed them because that relationship is way more important. And since then, I've made way more than $70,000 back having those lenders be able to do deals with me because- if I came to them, I could have easily gone to them and said, hey, you know what? We didn't make a lot of money on this deal. Do you mind if we pay you a little bit lower interest rate or can we negotiate something here or something like that? And, you know, that's not the way you do business. You you pay them and they keep coming back. They don't even know what happened. They don't know that right. we lost money they, right. unless they listen to this podcast. So they were flip-packing live last year. <laughs> then they might know. And right. so... So, okay. So we're reaching out to agents, title reps. I love that stuff. I wrote that down as a takeaway for me. Probate listing agents, things like that. Big agents, small agents, like just get in the door, have meetings, talk about what you do. Um, do you guys have anything that you like hand to them? Do you have like a, a pamphlets or a, a pitch deck or anything like that? Or do you just show up and have a conversation?
0: Honestly, we just kind of show up and have a conversation. We don't really have anything in, in particular. As we're writing offers, you know, especially on the MLS, I mean, we will um, kind of submit a little bit of a kind of little little bio on us, right? Just a little bit who we are, how many deals we've done. Um, just letting them know, hey, if it's a slow, if your your client wants a slow escrow, we'll wait. You know, just just we're we're there for them. You know, at the end of the like you said, you're 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 letting them know that you're there to help in whichever way, shape, or form. If you wants to close quick, we'll close quick. If you wants to close slow, we'll close slow. You know, we'll do whatever you need us to do for your client. So I think it's it's giving them a little bit. That's on the emails when we send in, you know, for the MLS, uh, when we send in our offer up front with them, I really don't have anything to give to them. Sometimes, you know, I, mean, you know, I, I, I tell them, go to our website, you know I mean? Our website, we just, just have just a simple website. It's nothing fancy. It's just, you know, a little bit there, but they just know we're legit, you know, and I also, and for those, you don't have to have an office, but you know, when I first started in 2010, I grabbed a little office, literally, I don't know if you know, you know, Miguel, me and Miguel are big boys and we were scrunched up in a little office and, uh, and you know it was just it was a little little office that we had, but I just I just felt for me it was nice to know that I can tell these agents that are here local with me come to our office, meet us, see that we're real, see that we're true people, see that we're you know you don't have to have meet at your office, but you can meet with them in person. Hey, have a coffee with me, you know, do something something that they meet you meet face to face. Everybody's busy, so don't think you know that doesn't work with everyone because right not everyone you just just don't have the time to meet, but. Do your best. Do your best to get face to face, and if you can't get face to face, send them a text. Send them a phone call. You know, leave a voicemail. Just let them know you're there. You know, this that's the most important thing for, for for them to know that you're there for whenever they need you.
1: Yeah, you know, it takes me back to every time somebody has kind of won me over in a business relationship. I'm thinking right now. I moved to Nashville, and there I met with a guy, a lender out in Chattanooga when I was just going into Chattanooga for the first time. Sat down with him. Found him on Bigger Pockets. Met with him. And then we just developed this kind of, he just, we would reach out to each other and just, he would reach out to me on a regular basis It'd be like, kind of, hey, when, when can we move some business over to the bank? When can we move some business over to the bank? And after about a year, I said, well, if you can give me a line of credit, I could use some money. And he did. He was able to secure a line of credit for us, just a signature line. And then I started moving a little bit of business over and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And then, you know, Nate and I were just in the Nashville uh, Predators box that they have a box for the bank and he invited us over. And sure enough, when I bought this company, we moved the business over to the bank. And it's just little by little, he's just winning me over time and time just based on relationship. And he's he's a great guy. He truly cares about me and my family, which is what, that's what it's about, you know? And I will go to him with any deal that I have, anything that I can help him with now. I go to them first. If they say no, then I'll go shop around. But, you know, we pay more, the fees are higher, the wire fees are higher, all this stuff. But for me, it's about, you know, working with my buddy and, and we build a great relationship. And it's, it really does go hand in hand with anything that we do in life and business. If you truly care about somebody else, um, more than yourself, then you're going to win. And I, you know, it's it, working with wholesalers. Is it the same thing that you guys do? You just kind of, um, you know, reach out to them and get the deal done and do what you say you're going to do? Or is there anything else special that you guys do with wholesalers?
0: I mean, you're you're a wholesaler yourself, Bill, so you kind of know. I mean, who, what kind of guys do you want, you know, to have in your corner when when you pick up a deal? It, it's it's kind of the same way as an agent. Just, you know, just, you're there for them. It's a little bit different, right? Because they're not working off commission, but they're looking at their assignment fee. We don't care whatever the assignment fees. is. If we give them a number that works for us and kudos to them if they make, you know, 50, 60, 80 grand on that assignment fee, I'm actually happy for them. That. That's, I, I, I give them, a, you know, props. I'm like, man, that's great. I mean, that's awesome because guess what you won? I won. You know, I, it's, it's a win-win situation and keeping that in, in your mind and, and really they, I think that's one of the things with a lot of the wholesalers I work with. They're, they're just some, there's a couple of them that work with us now and they just, they don't even shop the prop. They go to us first. Sometimes they'll send me to the appointment. It's crazy. Like, well, they, can you come with me to the appointment? Give me your number there and. I'll, I'll try to make it work because they just trust us. You know, they know we'll close it. I think that's that's a huge thing. Know we'll, we're going to close it. We, we don't try to nickel and dime them. We, we go, we give them a number that really works for us and we're not trying to break the bank or even look at what whatever number they're making. It's really just giving our personal number that works for us as a flip. You know, whatever your company number is, you know, we all have different, different profit margins that we want to make. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And actually a lot of wholesalers, they respect us for it because we get you know deals that aren't as daily from wholesalers, and you know, some of the numbers don't work, you know. And it is what it is, and it's really you. You at the same time you want to you want to build these relationships, but don't do something that's out of your out of your business model. Like if the number doesn't work that they're selling it at, don't buy it because you just want to build a relationship. That's not the way to do it. We we go and we actually you know, a lot of times they give us a number. And we're under. And we just tell them the number, we tell them why, we tell them what we think the RB is, and we give them a reasoning and we let them know. And I can tell you we've actually gotten quite a bit of deals from wholesalers that come back and say, hey, I'm actually going to try to get a price reduction to the number you need, you know, to make it work. So it's it's I think they respect you for at least giving a number and letting them know why. You know, give them have, give them an understanding of why you're where you're coming up with that number. And same thing, ask them, you know, what do you think the RV is? Like, how did you get that number? Let me see. Maybe I'm not seeing something that you saw. That maybe it's not. You know, maybe I can come up, but but stick to your numbers. Give a number that makes sense. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And you just gotta gotta be there, ready to go for when the one that does work. And, and let them know that hey, this one doesn't work. Keep your mind on the next one. You
1: know, that's I'm a sure that's right? an absolute absolute gold nugget right there. So you guys need to rewind about a minute back <laughs> and listen to what Jesse said about making an offer. Because I'll give you from a wholesaler side. Sometimes we send out a deal and it's crickets or somebody wants to look at it, but people will go out there, they'll run their numbers, they'll walk the property, and then they'll just ghost us or they'll respond and say, I'm not interested. And if Jesse's the only person that made an offer and it's below our contract price or at our contract price, then now we have an offer that we can use to go back and say, hey, this we found this, this, and this during the inspection, which is likely true, right? If Jesse's numbers are way off, either the ARV's wrong, the repair estimates are way off, something's, something's not right the way that we ran our numbers. So maybe maybe you saw something that we didn't and there's a cracked foundation or there's a, a roof that needs to be replaced that we didn't put in the budget that we didn't think it needed to be replaced. And we can go back and say, hey, look, our numbers don't work here and make an adjustment. There's a couple things that we've done as a company before. I've had people who were at our contract price and they made an offer and I said, and we were not going back for a price reduction. It's just, it's not that we don't go back for price reductions just to go back for price reductions as a company. And I actually just put that, put those people together and we stepped out completely and they did a deal. And I'll tell you what that flipper did, or it was either a flipper or a landlord. I still, it was about a year ago. He sent us a check. It wasn't a lot of money. It was like 500 bucks. It was like, Hey man, I really appreciate you doing that. Um, this is a stand-up job. Most people wouldn't do that. They would have just said, canceled it and said no. And we did the right thing. I mean, that's, that's the right thing for both parties, right? The right thing for the seller. It was the right thing for the flipper. And it's a symbiotic relationship. It, it, us as wholesalers, if we can't add value to the marketplace, if we can't make it easy on a flipper to find a deal, to, we do all the negotiation, we bring it to the table, all you got to do is sign the paperwork and wire the money. That's My, my company, I say, look guys, the, way, the reason we get paid is because we add value to this transaction. If we're making it hard for the flipper, or we're making it hard for the seller, we're not, we, we're not earning our paycheck today. So that guy should be able to sign his name and wire the money and that's it. They should. There should be no problems, no issues and make it smooth. And for, for a flipper, I think it's the same thing. If, if you're wiring in your EMD, like your non-refundable deposit, you're, you're all good, you're showing up to closing, you're communicating back and forth with us. I love that. There's plenty of times where I've taken a, a slightly lower offer because I know the person, I know they can perform, their financing is in order, they've done 10 or 20 deals with us before, and I'm, willing, I'm not willing to take a risk on a new person with a, a hard money lender that I've never heard of, or somebody who said, like, we don't know who they are, there's no references, all that stuff. I will always fight to make as much money as possible on our deals, but there are times where we have 10 or 15 offers, just like the MLS, like you're talking about, and I'm looking and going, ah, oh, there's a red flag on this person, there's a red flag on this person, this is a known quantity. So, it's not the, it's, it's the best offer. It's not always the highest offer. The right. best offer is somebody that I know it's going to go through. So, making an offer, if you walk the property, you run all your numbers and you're a flipper or a landlord or somebody work with a wholesaler and you don't just send in an offer. Like, you won't offend me. You're not going to offend us. Send in a number. We could just say, never mind. But you did all that work. You came up with your number that works. Just like Jesse said, if you don't send it to that wholesaler, you are losing deals. I promise you that. One in 10, one in in five, they're going to hit. There's going to be, they're going to come back to you and say, hey, can you still do that? Right. Maybe it might be two months. It might be two weeks. It might be three days. It might be right away. It's like, hey, that actually works for us. Always, always, always make an offer because you might be the only one who did. And I think that's the biggest gold nugget that I wrote down to (laughs) hopefully share with you guys that are on the call or on the uh, podcast because you guys are out there and you're putting in all this time and effort and energy just to say, ah, it's not for me. I mean, that drives me nuts. I tell my team, like, they didn't send an offer, and I tell all the flippers. Anytime I speak at a RIA or speak at an event for somebody, I say, look, let me tell you the backstory as wholesalers. like We just want offers. Just make an offer. And I think that goes for the MLS, too. The agents, sometimes, they just want something to bring to their clients sometimes. Like, right. this thing's sitting on the market for a long time. It's stale. Get throw it. Give them a number. If it works for you at that number, then do it. Just like this one that I'm going to, uh, our team's going to today. Just take a look at it and we got to make an offer. And if they're offended, sorry. You know, correct. it's we're, we might be the only one who made that offer.
0: Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. That's 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 one thing on, on both sides of it, like the wholesaling side and the MLS side. I tell my team, like, you're absolutely correct. You already spent the time and effort into running numbers. Throw them a number if we're way off, doesn't matter. Throw them a number, send in, especially on the MLS side, send in an offer. You never know. We actually get, and I don't have the percentage, but we actually get quite a few deals that we send in on the MLS that either goes into escrow, right? And, and, and all of a sudden we get a call back a week later and said, Hey, these other guys are playing games with us. guys are price reductions. They're, they're doing this, they're doing this, this, that, but it's because we sent, submitted our offer. It doesn't matter if we were way under what they were asking that they came back to us. If we wouldn't have submitted that offer, they would have never came back to us. They would have either one put it back on the market and maybe they would have gotten, you know, you would have been, a lot of times they come back to us without even relisting it, which that's a great thing to have because now your competition, you know, you're, 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 they're not putting it back on the market where they can open up those doors again and show it to everyone else. They're just going right back to you. But if you don't write that initial offer and keep in touch with them, you know, just because it goes impending doesn't mean the deal's done. You know, you got to follow that deal until it is sold. Don't give up. You know, we get a lot of deals by keeping in touch with these agents. We tell them, hey, you're an escrow, we know it. We hope it closes. If it doesn't, our offer that we sent into you, it still stands. We're ready when you are, in case you need us. We're here. And I can tell you we've gotten quite a bit of deals of just agents calling us back and saying, Jesse, is that offer still on the table? Yes, it is. You can still close it at that time? Yes, we can. Cool. I'm going with you. I'm canceling escrow with this other, you know, person that's playing games or or they're just not not a true not a true offer, and we're going with you. And I can tell you what that did. One, we got a deal because we submitted an offer but two we just became the hero and the hero and they're gonna remember that and next time they get that fixer they're gonna call us maybe first you know and just and just ask us what's our number you know hey here i got this and can you make it work or do you guys want to make an offer on it and you just build a relationship like you like you said it's it's you're helping them you know you're you you kind of help them get out of a situation on the previous deal that they respect you for it they thank, they're thankful for it and they'll keep you in mind for the next one
1: so, I just got on a call with uh, Chad King, so my sales manager, the, um, and you've met him a few times, and Nate Johnson, my COO, and we got a deal that, that a guy's 1031 didn't go through. It, 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 he was playing games. He was just delaying, 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 and they canceled it. And There were six other people with offers on this on this deal, but Chad built enough rapport with the agent, and enough rapport basically went down there, spent three or four hours down there with her, and got the deal. And said, "All right, I'm going to give you guys a shot, and pro- probably not the best offer. Didn't have to be the best offer, and um, and got the deal. So it's all about relationship building. The other thing that you said was sometimes wholesalers will take you to the properties with you to run the numbers and everything like that. Right. And and I a big takeaway that's another kind of gold bomb that I want to make sure people are writing down is working with newer wholesalers can be excellent. But working with us as a big wholesale company, it's we're going to take the, typically the highest offers. We have systems, we have processes built in. I'm going to teach people to not to, I'm going to send it out to my entire list. I'm not going to one-off just say, Hey, Jesse, do you need this? But I will tell you, there are times that we do that. If we have to, if it's a real, if it's a subject to deal, or it's a deal that like, I know that my reputation is going to be on the line. I'm going to offer this to my, the person that I know and trust will Pull through. So, like Jesse, if you were in my market and I got a, a deal subject to that needed to be flipped with a taking over somebody's mortgage, I'm not just going to give you know give that deal to anybody. I this this is I'm putting the two of you together, saying, hey, this guy's going to pay your mortgage for the next six months while this property is being renovated and resold. And so there are times where we'll have to just reach out like one of those pocket listings and reach out to our our VIP top one or two people that I trust in something like that. And uh, and it's those relationships are big, but those early wholesalers, those newer wholesalers that don't have a list, that don't know what to do, that are sketchy with their numbers. And it might be you listening, like go take somebody like Jesse or one of the bigger flippers in your area to the appointment. It's okay. Like they don't care how much you make. If you can negotiate that deal to the point where their numbers work and you make 10 or $20,000, you just heard Jesse. He's happy to pay that. And so am I. I will pay assignment fee six figure assignment fee seven figure assignment fee. I don't care, depending as long as I'm making the money that I need to make. There, there's been times where a wholesaler has made more than me on the deal on the back end, and I'm not counting their money. They're not counting mine at the end of the end of the deal. I'm sure the wholesaler is not coming to Jesse saying, "Wait, hey, you made more than that. I need some money back." Right. right? So, right. you know, it's it's all about building these relationships. I think it's so key in in this and working with wholesalers and just from the wholesaling background that I have, I know that there are times where we're uncomfortable or unsure, especially in the beginning. I was there. I, when I got started, I wasn't sure what my numbers were exactly. Like I was, And I was worried. I was worried that I was going to be telling a homeowner that I could get this done and I wasn't sure if I could do it. And you bring somebody there that can help you with the numbers and get this thing done and you know they're going to perform, then you get a lot more comfortable. And if you're not building a business, if it's still a side hustle for you or that's, you know, you're going to do a couple deals a year, just having that one or two buyers, that's all you need you know, I need a lot more as a bigger business as we bring on overhead and expenses and all these things. And we want to squeeze as much money as we can out of all these deals. I also have to treat my flippers and my landlords well too. You know, I have to make sure that they understand that we have a process, that we're not playing favorites. I'm not saying like when I, we do say no to their, their offer, we have to respond to them in an appropriate way too. So they're not turned off by the way that we're doing business either. Just being open and honest and upfront with each other. So there's a really cool stuff. I think I, I, yeah, it makes me want to make a bunch of phone calls after this. Uh, and I'm sure everybody that's listening to this is like, oh, I got, I'm going to make a list of like 20, 30 people. And I think that's where you start in something like this. You start making a list of all the relationships that you could build. And it could be with, it could be with a lot of different people. It could be with probate attorneys. It could be with realtors. It could be with wholesalers. It could be with um, money lenders. It could be with, I mean, I got, I got regular commercial lenders that call me to do bridge loans and stuff. They refer clients to me to do hard money loans and things like that, but they can't get done. So, as you build these relationships, these referrals are so awesome because it doesn't cost you any money. Right. And that upfront cost is not there and it just allows you to do so much more. I mean, when I saw your numbers, I was just shocked at the amount of volume you're doing. I mean, you guys can do the math if you're listening to the podcast, 80 deals in San Diego. You just do the math on about how much, uh, $30,000, $40,000 a house about the kind of profit they're bringing in and then just do the math of how much money you have in marketing expenses per year and just subtract that just throw that out the, out the window right so i wish i mean i'm jealous of it personally uh, of doing things like this so we need to get better at this i mean it's something that we just have been hammering into our staff and our team for a long time and we just we need to get better at it i know it's an area that we need to work on is really reducing that cost of marketing so when you join the mastermind group why you're doing 80 deals you're, you have no money, expenses in marketing. Like why would you come into a group like this? That's, yeah. And it may be a selfish question, but I want to know.
0: Yeah, no. So, I mean, it, it, the reality was, like I said, I, I uh, it's, and I, I, I tell this to everyone and, I, and it's something kind of a, a lender friend kind of put in my head where, you know, he, I saw what he did. He joined a group um, for, he, he's a lender here in San Diego, good friend of mine. He he, he joined a, a lending mastermind group and it really, I <laughs> I saw him from 2012 to now, man, he just exploded. He's one of the top loan officers in San Diego, built a team, like came out of nowhere. And and I really like, I like, man, what are you, what are you doing? Like, how did, what made you like, did you just your own drive? You know, what, what, what made you get to this point? And he says, Jesse, you know, a friend of him was doing well as well. And he introduced him to a mastermind group for lenders. And he, 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 he talked about it and he's like man it was the best thing I could have ever done he says I couldn't believe the the little simple things that they a group of like-minded people and really brought together and and really working together seeing what systems work seeing what works in you know other parts of the country and he's implementing them you know and, and they're they're holding them accountable and they're you know they're they're doing and he took me to one of their uh, one of their seminars I, I'm not even a lender and I almost joined and I was like ah oh, you know but it didn't it didn't make any sense right because i'm a flipper so it really opened my eyes and that was literally maybe september i think september of, of this last year so i kind of came back i came back pumped and i'm not even a lender like but it just there were a lot of nuggets that i took from there that i should be implementing you know into into my into my core values into you know my business and it really like you know i i've been you know known about seven figure for a while and i just Right, you get to a point where you're like, oh, I can do. I'm doing okay. Like you said, I'm doing okay by myself. I don't, you know, what do I need? Why do I need anybody? But it really installed where it really kind of goes, man. Well, I'm doing 80 flips. What if I could do 100? What I could. What if I could do 120, 100, 200, with the same amount of business techniques that I'm learning, and 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 get to that point where I'm not really killing myself and my time, but I can build it with the team and see how others have done it. So. It really attracted me to know that this group mastermind was really just for flippers and wholesalers, and so it it just kind of was one of those things where maybe on the side that we're doing we're doing okay, but I could still perfect it more. You know, obviously we can it can it can jump us. Maybe instead of doing eighty, maybe I could do a hundred. You know, just with what we're doing alone. But with the other thing that I wanted to do, I've always been wanting to get into direct marketing, and I've never, I don't know anything about it. You know, obviously you watch things on you go what you know things on YouTube and, and different people and and it just. Knowing that I can join this group, I think I look back in 2010 when I started and I didn't really have any mentors. I just kind of went blindly into flipping. I, I wish I could say I had a mentor that, that walked me through on how to flip. And, and I kind of just, I went in blind, you know, 100%. So to know to go into the direct marketing side that can get us some more acquisitions, right, that we can grab and, and direct from that sellers and actually now flip and add to our numbers, it was very attractive to think, man, if if... I don't want to start from scratch again. You know, I don't want to do that. So why not join a group that's already doing it? Has people in there like yourself that's just has already been through the good things and the bad things, right? And learned the hard way. And and that's gonna help me get us to a, a point where we're grabbing now these deals at a at a faster rate and with less losses because I'm gonna make sure I don't do the things that you, that you you know, the group and the share that hey don't do this because it hasn't worked for us, you know. Like, don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. So it was really attractive for us to, for me to join this group to help my direct marketing side. But as kind of like you mentioned, it did a little bit of two things. One, it is hundred percent helping our direct marketing side. We've started it in the last like maybe over the last eight months, and over the last just maybe two three months with joining the group, we've we've gone from our phone not ringing to our phones ringing off the hook right now and it's, our, my team is, is, like, they're getting, frustrated. I love it, I, I see them all paranoid, and, you know, like, they're they're all over the place, like, we don't have, he, they, it's funny, one of my acquisitions guy and he's probably going to watch this, but I'm not going to say his name, but he said, uh, came to me, like, two days ago, he said, Jesse, can we hold off on sending postcards this week, so we can catch up with all our leads, and I said, no, no, heck no, and that's, that's, that's a great, I would love hearing that, get ready for more, here they come, you know, so it's just, it's a great feeling, and I know we've gotten to that point now where the phone's ringing, we're going to appointments, and we're really having our, our lead list is growing like exponentially right now. And it's all because of things that I've gone from the group, things that I've gone from different people from all over the U.S. Of you know Everyone's specialty, cold calling specialty, the text messaging, the postcards, little tweaks here and there that I would have never have known unless I joined this group. So it was one of those things that I look back now, I'm like, it's one of the greatest things I think I could have done for this side of it, but but not only did it grow my direct marketing side, which I think it's going to help us grow very quickly here, but it also it opened my eyes, like you said, to what I have already in place. I had no one to compare it to. I didn't know anything. You know, I, I, Here we are thinking, I mean, me and Miguel were thinking like, oh, man, we're doing okay and stuff. And then we really look at the big picture and we're like, oh, shoot, we're doing a little bit better than we thought. And And it really made us take a step back and really look back and say, okay, we got something good. How do we make it better? the little things that we picked up from the group already that we're thinking on the direct marketing side, we're going to actually implement on our existing business, which is going to help it grow on its own. So, and that long-winded uh, answer, that's kind of my my reasoning to join the group. And and, 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 and like I said, it's, it's definitely been a good thing at the end of the day.
1: Well, I, I'll say we're happy to have you too, because you add a ton of value to, I mean, you saw on this cruise the kind of Uh, impact that you had on all the members. And, you know, for me, it was very, very, very similar story, you know, Uh, but when you're not doing a lot, the changes seem massive, right? And when you're doing, you already have a high volume business and you're doing really well. What I see now is my, what I get out of is just even a small change doing that much volume is pretty massive. If I can change my business by 10%, I mean, that's $300,000 a year in increased profitability. And Typically at that point, that all goes into the owner's pocket. The, you know, the entrepreneur. At that point, that's where our profit margin lives, right? That's right. just our bottom line kind of expanding a little bit. So that's that's why I love going. I still get, I mean, on the cruise, I have I have an entire notebook full of notes from the cruise and I was speaking half the time. So nice. when I when and I wasn't taking notes on myself, I'll tell you that. But when I was sitting down, it's just like people are just, you know. Breathing fire at this thing, and it's making me question some of the things that we do. And anything from my personal life to my business life, it's all it's all there. That's what that's what I really enjoyed about you know spending some time with you and your family, seeing your wife's support, seeing the kids' support. It see you know getting being able to actually spend that quality time with with different people in person was right. a game changer for me uh, for sure. And it just lit the fire too for me inside the mastermind group of how we can continue to you know, change and adapt and, and, you know, better the business for you guys. So, uh, well, uh, Jesse, I, I appreciate you hanging out with us. Is there any kind of like last minute things that you want to share with the with the listeners about anything from networking or anything in the business?
0: No, just, I mean, I, the biggest thing is um, like going back to it is when you're making these offers, especially for for the MLS, make strong offers, you know, make, Make a, make, make a very strong offer. If you, if you can go in there and you can see the property and you feel comfortable to remove contingencies, remove them. You know, like think, think about what's gonna make your offer uh, stand out in front of these other, you know, especially our market, right, we're competitive. There might be 20 offers on the table. Think think about what's gonna make yours just that much more, a little more attractive than everybody else. So just keep that in mind. That's, that's kind of a very important part of, of our business. And the other thing too, kind of on the other side, even though you're marketing to wholesalers and agents, very important is what you kind of said earlier is build that relationship also with your lenders. If you're in fix and flip, build that relationship with your lenders and always keep them first. They're your lifeline. Without them, you're nothing. I mean, that, that's how I. That's how I tell my team. I don't care if we're losing on the deal. I don't care whatever happens. I am always going to pay. I'm always going to pay that um, that lender off, even if I'm losing money, because you know it's it's a it's a saying that I always say and and uh, it, I always. Uh, I would say your lenders, you can make them money on 20, 30, 100 deals, but it just takes that one deal that you fall behind. Don't pay them. You give them an excuse. They're not going to remember those other 100 deals you made money on. They're going to remember that one deal, and that's going to burn your bridges. And remember that without them, you can't buy these other flips. So just that's a, just a little important thing for for our business that that I think is a good thing that to keep in mind.
1: Yep. Relationships are everything, right? What's the Zig Ziglar quote? Um, you can get everything in life that you want if you just help enough people get what they want. Yep. Um, and it's it's totally true. It Hands down, no doubt about it. I mean, I we send out the book, The Go-Giver, to everybody that comes into the mastermind group. Everybody comes in the seven-figure runway at least. And it, I, I absolutely love the five laws in that book. It's just all about you know, are you adding more value than you're receiving in payment? Are you taking care of others? You know, how many how many people are you serving today? All of these things, be it outward facing instead of inward facing. It's exactly what we're talking about here. So, if you guys haven't read that book, The Go-Giver by Bob Berg, I highly recommend you read it. I read it once a year at least. It's a phenomenal book. Quick read. It's a fable. Um, you can read it really fast, but it's I absolutely love that that book and the concepts through it. It's exactly what we're talking about here, relationship business, and that's what it is. And if you can figure that out fast, you can be successful in this business or any business and anything that you do in life is just taking care of others. And believe me, you will be at the top of your market even if you've only done one or two or three deals because you'll get start getting a reputation as somebody who who cares. And you, people want to do business with you. And that's what it's all about. So, Jesse, thank you so much for spending time with us. Um, if you guys are listening to this uh, and you want to be a part of this mastermind group, but Jesse's J- Jesse can come on here and talk about San Diego all he wants because we're capped out in San Diego. So he's completely safe. And uh, so we do have a cap on our, on our marketplaces now. So we put a, a limit on how many people can come into the seven figure altitude group in each market. So that way we can openly share, we can spend time with each other. We don't feel uncomfortable with a kind of competition or anything like that. And um, so we have an event coming up in Atlanta in just a couple weeks after this comes out. It's going to really exciting. We're going to put everybody in one room. And you guys heard, you know, Justin Silverio, you guys heard Stephanie, you guys heard Jesse on the podcast. And these, we talk about the average of the five people you spend your most time with, the Jim Rohn quote. And these are the people, these are my people. These are people I get to spend my time with. These are people Jesse gets to spend his time with. And it's cool because I have about 100 of them, you know, at these events. So, it's really incredible people that we're just having a great time. I know you guys have been hearing about the cruise and I probably will never stop talking about it because I had such a good time. But everybody came off of that just saying, I have a great network. I have a great tribe. And so, we're always looking for somebody who fits what we're doing and that, we fit what you're looking for too. So if you guys are interested, just go to sevenfigurealtitude.com, the number sevenfigurealtitude.com, and you can fill out an application. Uh, Our enrollment director will reach out to you and see if it's a fit. And if it is, then you want to check it out, then come to Atlanta, join the group, do whatever, you know, we got events that come up, Atlanta, then Flip Hacking Live and all of these things. But the first step is just if you're looking for this, it could be you're a flipper, you're a wholesaler. The Seven Figure Altitude Group is the only one that we're accepting applications for, and it's um, you got to be doing volume. You got to be doing two hundred thousand dollars a year, consistently doing deals. We can't just drop a new investor in there; it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right for for us to do to take their money, and it, you'd just be way out of your limit, your um, your depth. So, we will be coming out with something else for some of the newer investors soon. Um, I'm working on that right now, but for now, if you're interested, sevenfigurealtitude.com. And you can check it out, join one of our mastermind meetings, come attend, check us out in Atlanta and spend some time with us. So, and then Jesse, you and I will see each other in May in Turks and Caicos. We have an awesome event plan there. So there's only about, I think there's about 20 of us going. So that's going to be a really, really good time to dig into the, the details of that really high level stuff that we're doing. So I'm excited about that. All right, my friend, thanks for spending some time with us. And, um, Man, I always I always enjoy talking to you. I I actually have a page of notes here that I have to send to my team. So they probably hate when I do this.
0: <laughs> Bill, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Like I said, thanks again for all your help as well.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. I'll uh, I don't know, see you soon. I uh, had a great time on the cruise with you and your family. Tell your wife and, and kids that, that I said hi and I hope I hope you uh, thank her for that incredible story that she told. And okay. you I, got
0: I will, I'm gonna have to go buy her someday tonight. You go, better go buy some flowers or something.
1: Yep. And, and you just say that you were thinking about her and you heard a great story about uh, that support. I mean, I'll tell you what, that I was just um, in awe of the support that you have there. It's really amazing. And, uh, and it's just, yeah, you guys, you guys have a, a beautiful family. It was a really cool spending time with you. So. I appreciate that. All right, Jesse, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate Bye. it. Thanks for listening to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast with Bill Ellen. If you want to grow and scale your house flipping or wholesaling business, check out more insider tips and strategies from the nation's most successful real estate investors at Seven sevenfigureflipping.com.